0: 51,000 plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. One fly ball deep left center, him on the run. Yes! 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 The Atlanta Braves yeah. have given you a championship. 25 lighters on my dresser, yes sir. You know
1: center, and the Braves have running. 25 lighters on my dressin', yes sir, you know I got to get paid, swing and drive, not too late, welcome to the show! 25
0: lighters for my 25 folks, now get ready! This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, episode 116. Or if you were privy to our show sheets, it would read episode 116 dungeons and dragons which i just noticed today it's been up here for 116 episodes i somehow just noticed it uh but we are brought to you today by the same people we are always brought to you by our friends at armchair media who have a whole host of shows you guys should be following and hopefully some merchandise up eventually i'm certain um or you can just follow along any of those accounts there or if you want to uh Get a little something-something for being a member of the show. Go to betonline.ag. As I told you before, there is no shortage of action going on. We know that we've got about 11 days until exhibition games. We started seeing some inter-squad for baseball. There's a lot going on in the sporting world. NBA is about to start back up, we think. We know fights are going along right now. Hockey is on its way back. Golf is back. MLS is officially the first major sport back. There is a lot of sports to throw some money on, even if it's not going to be the exact same that we had before. You still got NASCAR if you like to bet on races, but if you want to make a little bit of money on the side, make your 2020 sports viewing even more impressive or even more eye-popping or have to capture your attention, go to betonline.ag You get all the best prop bets, all the best lines and odds for the upcoming games and matches, so you can go ahead and get everything you want. If you want to bet that Ronald Acuna is going to be the MVP of this shortened season, you can. Just go to betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. All right, so as I mentioned in that rather long intro to the show, uh, we're starting to actually get to see some brave swings again, and... I feel like I saw heaven. Um, we got to see Mike Soroka throw a little bit. We got to hear about Max Freed pitching really, really, uh, really, really well. We got to see Travis Darno make an impact, and William Concheris made an impact as well. We're going to talk all about all of that. But before we go too much farther, Doc and I were talking last week about any players that uh, we thought potentially might opt out. And, Doc, I think we can be honest in saying that uh, – Nate Marcakis would not have been our guess.
1: You know, I would have, yeah, I would have never guessed him. It does make sense in retrospect, a lot of it for the same reasons that that we talked last week about, um, about guys like Fulty and Rick Kranitz who have that really strong family connection. Like every year for Players Weekend, Marcakis will do the TTT on the, uh, on the back of his jersey for each of his three sons, um. And he was he was facing limited playing time anyway. He was facing 36% of, I think, $4 million for this year. So he wasn't looking at a ton of money, and he wasn't looking at a ton of playing time. So you swirl it all together. And truthfully, I have to imagine that this whole thing's going to be weird, the not playing in front of fans and, and wearing masks all the time. and If you don't have to, then you don't have to. Not to mention Nick Markakis has made $115 million in his career. I'd sit too. But... From the the perspective of somebody everybody always talks about, he's such a gamer, he's such a player's player, and he's a professional and everything. It was weird to see him just step up and say, "Mm, thanks, but no thanks.
0: After talking to Freddie Freeman, who I don't believe last time we talked we were able to mention that uh, Freddie and three other Braves players testing positive for COVID-19, Tukey Toussaint, Will Smith, Pete Cosma, and Freddie. Freddie was the only one who was symptomatic that was mentioned But then it also just mentioned that Tukey and uh, Will were asymptomatic. It actually didn't mention anything about Pete Cosma after that. So take from that what you will. But Freddie uh, apparently wasn't feeling very good at all, really high fever, aches and pains. And after talking to Freddie and hearing Freddie, that's when Nick decided to make the call to opt out of the season. Um, Now, regardless of how you feel about anything else, um, I do not hold anything against any player that opts out. It is their choice. They got to do what they feel is right for their family. Uh, anybody that is going around acting like, you know, basically people that are insulting guys for, for sitting or, or trying to call them to account for sitting out a 60-game season should just go ahead and take a seat because your priorities aren't in line. Even if you think that they're wrong, even if you think they're wrong, you have no business telling this person how they need to act. Point blank period.
1: You saw it today. Buster Posey opted out and people and because he and he and his wife were adopting two uh, two newborns and said, you know, I just don't feel comfortable with this. My family's safety is is a priority. That's all she he should ever have to say.
0: Just to clarify that, he did say that had they not been born prematurely, that he probably would have played. But because they were born prematurely, and they're going to be in the NICU for a little while. He's opted not to play. And that's perfectly fine. That's honestly that's a that's a father putting his his children ahead of baseball. Same way uh Mike Trout has consistently talked about the one thing he's worried about is not being able to see his son because uh if he's playing ball, she's gonna have to get or his son's gonna have to get quarantined for 14 days before he can see him. It's like, you know, I understand where they're coming from, and everybody else should too. I mean this, if you're one of these people that has one of these takes like Buster Posey now, what's his legacy now? Or did he hurt himself? Did he did he let down Saint, uh, San Francisco? If that's your take, then you can just get on out of here because, quite frankly, you're useless.
1: Not to mention, Buster Posey has three World Series rings. I, I would say that, that his uh, his legacy is is pretty pretty much in cement at this point. What he what does he have left? Absolutely.
0: To prove? I mean, he's already a Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he's been he's been a stud ever since he was at Florida State, and that was a long but, time ago.
0: But my, my overall point is it doesn't matter how good of a player Buster Posey is. Like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't hassle or, or get pissy about any guy, anybody that says, hey, I don't think it's safe for my family, so I'm going to go ahead and opt out of this season. Like he, doesn't owe, like, he doesn't owe you and I anything. So you have no cause to get angry because he does not owe you anything it's it's really that simple he's not a commodity it's a person if his prior like if his beliefs dictate that he should probably sit out like if he's got something to him that's more important than than baseball this season, then it's on him man and you don't you don't deserve a say in what he does. It's his life it's his choice. So, I mean, I can't make it any simpler than that.
1: And when, when I talked about Markekis and the fact that he's made $115 million in his career, however much it is, you know, he's working on a much smaller salary than than he was in previous years. The deal he signed before or when he first came over in 2015 was making $11 million a year, and that that was, he was getting all 11 This year he would have made, you know, 100 or 1. $1.4 or or the, I'm not going to do the quick math. Anybody who's got a calculator can do that for me. But you know, the the guys that are, like, King Felix is another one where he opts out and it's like he wasn't going to make that much money anyway. You look at somebody like Posey or somebody like David Price, these guys that are supposed to be making just buku money. Like, not not even because the, um, you know, it has nothing to do with, with the prorated or signing smaller deals or whatever. Like, Price was supposed to make a lot of money and he opted out. And Posey was supposed to make a lot of money and he opted out too. It just tells you that it's not... The, the money isn't nearly as much of a factor as much as it is people just saying, look, I just, I don't feel comfortable with this. And so, and that's just going to have to be okay. Once, once he opts out, he's not one of these high risk individuals. He can't opt back in it. And that's, that's just it. So people can complain all they want, but it's just screaming into the void essentially. So for, for guys like Posey and, and, and Markakis and, king felix even guys like eric young senior that that might be the most disappointing thing to me is that eric young senior who is one of the the most constant sources of joy on this braves team isn't going to be there it's everybody's prerogative to do whatever they want to do and we'll just see him in 2021
0: right that's that's i guess that's the ultimate point here it's just it's not your place to tell them what they should or shouldn't be doing i mean if if they're if they have enough money to make it through and they feel it's something they need to do, then it's something they need to do and just, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't I don't want to get, I don't want to focus on that stuff too much because I, I do want to focus more on the fact that we do have, we did get to see people swing a bat. Now we couldn't hear anything on the first scrimmage because there was no audio, but we got to see a ball thrown to a batter. We've seen a little bit more coming out in the last couple days now. Uh, a couple inter squads have gone on and... Pitchers have kind of gotten their first taste back in. We mentioned Mike Soroka, Max Fried, both pitched very, very well. Um, Mike fulton should we point out, pitched very, very well himself. Uh, basically, every pitcher who's thrown has pitched well with the exception of one. Uh, and just so Jordy doesn't think that I'm the one writing this, um, Doc, why don't you tell everybody who's been that one pitcher who has not performed well?
1: Uh, our, our boy Sean Newcomb had, had a bit of a rough go. He gave up home run to... Uh, gave up one to Darno, and he also gave up one to, was it Culberson or no? William Contreras. William Contreras. Grant Dayton gave up the home run to Culberson. So, Nuke, yeah, Nuke did not have as good of a go as the other guys, but he was kind of a bubble candidate for the for the rotation anyway. Not to mention this is this was a scrimmage. This is the first <laughs> time these guys have thrown in any type of meaningful. It's not even meaningful competition in months, so there, there's there's going to be varying levels of rust there. So Nuke could still turn it around, but uh, I'm I'm really pumped to hear about Faulty because you expect Soroka and you expect Free to go out and just and pitch lights out with Fulty It's a, it's a little bit more of uh, of a mystery of, of what you're going to get. So at least based based on last year and and anybody who's listened to TPS for any meaningful amount of time knows that I am a humongous humongous fan of Mike Fulton So hearing that that he pitched really well, struck out three over three innings, that's that's really good. Apparently his stuff had life and uh that's that's just wonderful to hear. So Jordy, I'm sorry about Newcomb. Um still plenty of intrigue going on with the rotation and something came out today. You had a conversation with Dave O'Brien about somebody that could possibly step into the rotation that neither of us really thought that yeah. was the case.
0: I don't really – I don't know if i call it much of a conversation. It was a couple of tweets back and forth. Um, David O'Brien. Now, apparently, according to DOB, uh, Hamels is not really ready to, to throw multiple innings yet. It's not that shocking. His original diagnosis would have had him ready back in mid-May. Uh, probably figure another two and a half, three weeks before you're really ready to throw off of a mound again. So he's pretty much right – he's at the right place in his rehab for the time that he is really – Um but if you follow David O'Brien on Twitter, you saw he was talking about uh, stretching out, they're stretching out Josh Tomlin. Like he was going to be the person to receive the first starts. And I actually saw this through uh, uh, our buddy and outfield fly roll podcaster, um, Andy Harris. And um, we were, I I just saw him talking about it, uh, wondering if it could be more piggyback rather than full starter. And Dave asserting that uh, they're looking at Tomlin as an actual starter. I, Doc, you and I have been talking about this. I just I can't see Josh Tomlin being the first starter you turn to if Cole Hamels is down. I, I I get the positives. He doesn't walk a lot of people. He's experienced. Like it's not like it's going to bother him. It's not like you expect him to have a lot of nerves or anything like that. I just I can't see it. I cannot see with all of the pitching talent that the Braves have and all of the pitching talent on the forty man roster. I just I can't see them turning to fill a rotation spot with Josh Tomlin.
1: I really can't either, and, and you know, we have talked about piggybacking all the way back to the first, it's 2018, which is the first season we did the show, and and it made plenty of sense because we always wondered, what are you going to do with all these starters, and, you know, who's going to go to the bullpen and who's not, and if we've learned anything from the Tampa Bay Rays in the past couple of years, it's that roles are arbitrary, you know, if Whether you're a starter or a reliever or you're an opener or whatever, you're just the pitcher. And you can pitch as long as you can pitch. And whatever skills you have, you just got to lean on them. And you're right about Tomlin. He does not walk a lot of guys. And even if Tukey's upside is higher and Bryce Wilson's upside is higher and Kyle Wright's upside is higher and it looks like he's close to getting there, what you really need... If you're gonna be going, you know, throw Freed out there for four innings, and then you want somebody else who you can come back, come in and piggyback for two, three innings after that. On paper, you want a guy that doesn't give up a ton of home runs and doesn't walk a lot of guys, and somebody that, that throws strikes. And Bryce Wilson's great. He can throw really hard, but he doesn't exactly know where it's going. And Kyle Wright, dude, this is two straight spring trainings where Kyle Wright looked like he was he deserved a job coming out of spring training. And he looked even better this year than he did in 2019. And you can make the case, once again, the upside is much, you, don't, you can't, it's not even about making the case. Kyle Wright's upside is higher than Josh Tomlin's, but is he going to get there? We still have not seen him do that uh, regularly and consistently during a season. So in the idea of taking a guy who throws a bunch of strikes and you can get some meaningful innings out of him, the results were not pretty the last time Tomlin started but team the yeah. team
0: if that's what you call a, what was it, 614 718 and 528 uh triple slash i think some something like that we don't
1: put put a ton of stock in era but if it's over 7 that's bad
0: yeah yeah here's his here's his line era was 614 fip of 716 so he was somehow actually worse than his era indicated with a 528 xfip
1: Granted, he has gone to drivelines since then. He refined his pitch mix. That was part of what made him intriguing last year before he, there were even any results. And, you know, I, I don't hate the idea of him getting a little bit more elevated usage. And with this year, in any other year when it's like, oh, God, Josh Tom is getting stretched out to start, the initial thought is he's going to go six innings, seven innings every time out, you know. But now if it's he's stretching from going an inning or two to going three or four, I can absorb three to four innings of Josh Tomlin. The good news is that they do still have. You can have him be the first wave if that's just where they choose to go, and you can still come back with Kyle Wright, with Tuki Toussaint, with Bryce Wilson, any any of those guys and to to take that role from him. The leash is going to be super short on anyone.
0: I just I don't like. It's it's not that it's necessarily like horrific if they do it that way I mean nothing that you do in a 60 game season is going to be horrific this season's not going to count towards much besides getting people development but that to me is the key like if you're looking for a way to speed up the development of some of these guys who are right here like Tukey like Bryce like Kyle Wright like Newcomb guys who you're going to be counting on for years to bring you championships this is the perfect time to let them develop this is one of the things you and I were talking about last week with teams like the Tigers Go ahead and play Torkelson and play Manning and play Mize and and Scooble and all these guys. Go ahead and let them get some experience. This is the best experience they're going to be able to get. They'll be facing mostly major league competition. I mean, they may face a lot of... We'll we'll see how many people opt out, but you're going to get real experience. So the the trade-off is going to be, do you want to be like the Padres and go ahead and just, or or the Mets and start the season with Alonzo instead of playing arbitration clock games? Or do you want to sacrifice that year of arbitration, that year of control and get them advanced farther than what they are? I mean, if you look, there's a lot of guys on the Braves roster, guys like Tucker Davidson, who I didn't even mention. There's about five, six, maybe even seven or eight different guys that are all clumped around the same level. This would be a perfect season to kind of separate them from each other a little bit let them set the tone and you can see which one of, the, of them are really ahead of the other ones
1: and not to mention Ian Anderson who's the, the number one ranked pitching prospect in the whole system that, that we haven't mentioned either or Patrick Weigel friend exactly. of the show, Patrick Weigel
0: or Waskari Noah or Kyle Muller yeah. or just de la Cruz yeah I mean the, Bill Pfeiffer there are
1: a bajillion different options so the Tomlin thing does seem kind of weird but they you know how much this organization prioritizes the veteran presence. It's why Nick Marcakis' name has come up so many times, you know? So somebody like Tomlin, you know? I
0: know. I know. I just, I was really kind of hoping, because I'm going to be very jealous of, of like, Tigers fans. This is going to be the rare season where I'm actually kind of jealous of Tigers fans, because they're going to get to watch a lot of these young guys a lot, or at least I hope. I mean, the Tigers have nothing to lose, so you might as well play every rookie, be horrible, and get another number one overall pick, but, like, I just I don't want to see these young guys just sit on the taxi squad where basically all they're doing is practicing against each other. I want to see them developed. And I there's, Alex hasn't said anything along the lines of that it's not going to happen. Although if you were hoping to see Drew Waters in 2020, um, does not appear that that is in the cards, barring some major unforeseen circumstances. But there is a good chance you'll see Christian Pache, and it's a good chance if you're if you see Christian Pache, you'll see a lot of these pitchers because I've said it before that it's a better bet for the pitchers to make an impact on 2020. This is obviously before I knew it was going to be a 60-game season. Um, That it was going to be easier for the pitchers to make an impact than position players because there wasn't really many position openings. Uh, But it's just I, I want to see guys like I want to see Shane Langoliers get some time. I want to see William Contreras. I want to see a lot of these young guys out. Alex Jackson, whatever. Give me some of these young guys and give me enough development time so they can actually see what the next level of players are and we can see who rises and who we need to pump the brakes on a little bit.
1: You brought up Drew Waters and and I kind of want to take a, a sharp right turn here. After, you know, Freddie is out right now, it's still entirely possible that he's going to be ready for opening day. We don't know. If he's not, then this team is probably in a little bit of trouble just because he's, you know, He's been a, a mainstay in the middle of this lineup for a decade almost. But when Freddie went down and Markekis opted out, then there's a real lack of left-handed power outside of Ozzy Albies on this team. And so when you're down an outfielder and you need a left-handed bat, you know, we are Team Pache over Team Waters here. Not to say that we're anti-Waters or anything, but when you start looking at exactly what you, you need, a left-handed power hitting outfielder, then Drew Waters, honestly, everybody wants to talk about Bryce Ball, but Drew Waters is a is a much more logical option to fill that role, even though he sucked in spring training. See,
0: I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think he's a lefty power bat right now. Now, I think he certainly could be, and he will be in years to come. Right now, he doesn't profile much. He doesn't profile for a power guy. um. Now, you mentioned Bryce Ball. I'm glad you mentioned it because I was going to harass you a little bit. Uh, (laughs) You and everybody (laughs) else, dude. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. This is like my favorite thing that's ever happened, that the karma bug finally bit Doc and not me uh, as Bryce Ball was added to the player pool. And you probably will see him at some points if Freddy's out for any real length of time. Like if Freddy... Yonder Alonso is going to start at first base. Like it's not like Bryce ball is just going to come out and start at first base. The Braves have options. They still have Austin Riley too, which I'd rather see Austin Riley play first base than Yonder Alonso. but you know, whatever, uh, you do need some lefties in the lineup and Yonder Alonso is a lefty. Um, I do wonder if you could see maybe some small trades cause I don't think you'll see any big trades, but it does. You, you bring it up missing Freddie and missing Markakis as much as neither you or I really care to see him all that often. Um, but the the absence of Freddie in this lineup does leave a big gaping hole in the lineup because you still have Ozuna, but now you're missing your number three hitter. So you don't re- you're not really at you don't really have a backup third hole hitter. Like you can move Acuna to third, but then you got to figure out what you're doing with the top of the lineup. Then you got to figure out who's going to bat lead off or two. Are you going to move Ender back to for uh, back to lead off? I doubt it. I mean. This could be Snickers' chance to get hindered back at leadoff without anybody getting mad at him. Um, but th- th- there's a lot of things that are going to go into it. That's why. I, that's why I, I really just want people to understand. Like, just be happy that there's baseball back. Take the results of this season kind of with a grain of salt. Look, I'm I personally am going to be looking more at development more than I'm going to be looking at did the Braves win it all in the sixty game season. Now, to clarify, when they win it all, I will be as crazy as all of you but if by some miracle they do not i'm not going to be upset as i would be you know as i was last year let me put it that way nothing that happens in 2020 can be as bad to me as how 2019 ended
1: do you realize how much you're tempting fate right now oh my god you need to walk that back man this year no i'm not
0: going to walk it back it's 60 games so even if the worst does happen and this season and everybody just has a super slumpy season all right, now we have a super awesome pick.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> let, so let it be known that, uh, let's see, how, how long have we been recording here? So we're about 24 minutes into the episode minutes, right now. hmm. Yeah, I'm going I'm to mark this down. If something bad happens, I'm coming back to you on this.
0: That's fine. Y'all can play this drop however long you want, but for now, I'm just happy to have it back, and I want to see a lot of the development. Uh, but we were just... Speaking the lineup really, really quickly because I don't really want to get into a bunch of lineup talk. And as it is, we don't really have a ton of time left in the episode today. I do want to touch on a couple other things like the schedule and uh, a couple other guys. But looking at the lineup, it does leave kind of a weird hole because the Braves have a lot of depth. But they don't really have a lot of depth at guys that you would say are leadoff hitters or three-hole hitters. Like a lot of their depth is guys that would ideally be like a six or a seven hitter. So you got to imagine Ozuna is probably going to stay in the four hole. I would imagine you'll see Acuna in the three spot. If Freddie's not ready for opening day, there's an off chance you could see Ozuna bat three, but I, I really think you'd see Acuna go down to three. You probably see, yeah, probably Ozzy hitting the leadoff spot and probably Dansby in the two.
1: Yeah, I could see that. You know, Snit has no qualms with with putting Ntearte at leadoff, and Ender crushes it in summertime.
0: My only issue would be if you're facing a lefty on the mound, you'll probably if you were facing a lefty on the mound. I think the way I'd probably go is Ender Acuna, Ozzy. But I, I we know Snit doesn't like to do too many righties in a in a row or too many lefties in a row. He likes to be he likes to vary uh, vary them. It's gonna be hard to do. It's 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 gonna be interesting. Now this is one season where I'm not gonna get angry at Snicker unless they come out and they only play veterans and none of the young guys get any opportunity at all. Like if Patrick Weigel gets called up to the big club and again does not get into a game, I'll be pretty annoyed. But nothing that can happen this season is like I'm not. I will be a I will be a much more relaxed Braves fan this year. Let me let me put it this way. I will be. We I always make fun of Doc for being the the dopey super optimist. This year, it'll it'll be me. <laughs>
1: why do I have to be dopey? <laughs> optimist I can take.
0: You know why. <laughs> you know why.
1: That's not nice. That's not nice at all.
0: You're going to be the negative one this year, just hating on Bryce Ball. Meanwhile, I'm going to be like, yeah, everything's good, man. Speaking of everything being good, don't forget, you can go to betonline.ag, uh, make you some quick money because I have a feeling that Acuna is going to put up some massive numbers in this season, as well as Ozzy, who's looking thick and looking strong. Uh, most that's, that's probably the number one story from training camp. A lot of these young guys look like they took the extra time very, very seriously. Acuna, who's got the Manny dreads going, looks awesome. Ozzy, who looks quite a bit more stout. Riley, who still looks really good. And William Contreras, who looks to have totally transformed his body in what is a big season for him uh it's got a lot of ground to make up right now. This is a big year for William Contreras. It's good to see him starting out right.
1: Yeah, he really does look a lot a lot bigger. Um so yeah, Langoliers really opened up a lot of eyes uh last year and also in spring training. So and with Contreras, it seemed like his star was kind of fading a little bit. Not not full on. It's not like he's he's busting or anything, but uh he's got somebody on his heels now. And I I saw the it just
0: looked like the ceiling was lowering a little bit for Contreras. Yeah, yeah. Like we were starting to think instead of being like a top 10 catcher, now we start thinking, all right, he'll be, you know, above average or at least major league average. He's a major leaguer. It just kind of looked like for a little bit because of some of the struggles, you started kind of lowering the ceiling on him a little bit from being, this is a guy that could potentially be an all-star level catcher to maybe he's a platoon catcher. Maybe he's just kind of an average everyday guy, but maybe he's a Travis Darno type. Um, but good to see him really taking it serious, and he put a put a nice little charge into that oppo
1: taco he hit off Newcomb. He did. I actually didn't even recognize him when I saw him uh, rounding third, and uh, and
0: no, and that by the way, that opposite field power, that's what a lot of people have been waiting, myself included. That's what I've been waiting to see from Contreras. He's always had, he's always been good everywhere. He's not really great anywhere. But he's always been very good at everything, and he's got a lot more power than his home run totals suggest. It, he just, was, just never looked like he took weight training very seriously. Hopefully now you'll start to see him access that power a little bit more.
1: Yeah, agreed. That, that could be the thing that helps him um, really solidify his, his ascent to MLB. But before we go any further, just wanted to let everybody know that in addition to betonline.ag, which Dylan has so deftly informed you of twice so far in this episode, we are also brought to you by Manscaped. Men or women who are fed up with having their hurt suit significant others, listen closely. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you, but you are just too damn hairy. You know it, I know it. Your boo knows it. Your drawers are overflowing with stark examples of your own inability to properly tend to your groin follicles. I've been sent here by everyone who has access to your nether regions with the hope that you will start using Manscaped. Manscaped just recently released their most current offering the Lawnmower 3.0. And this, this thing is for real. I mean, we are talking this is legitimately premium. The battery on this thing lasts for... <laughs> That's for 90 minutes. 90 minutes, Dylan. Which, I mean, let's hope you don't need to use it for an hour and a half at a time, but you could.
0: Do you know how weak and rubbery my legs would be if I were shaving down below for 90 minutes? 90 minutes? Doc, you know what I'm talking about. If you've got yourself in that weird sort of position, you know what I'm talking about, guys. And you start going at it. You, you start getting those weird little leg twitches for a while. Your leg gets a little weak and jumpy. Imagine for 90 minutes
1: you can be as thorough as you need to be and you don't have to worry about your battery dying. Whether you only use it for 30 minutes and plug it back in or you want to use it the full 90, you really get in the zone, I'm not going to be the one who stops you. So, go to manscaped.com, use our promo code armchair for 20% off and free shipping. Uh, they're trimming costs so you can trim your... Mm-hmm. Once again, that's manscaped.com, promo code armchair, 20% off the cost and an even higher percentage off of your pubes. Manscaped, because your Johnson's mustache should always be reasonable. So, this week, we were lucky enough to not just get one, but two different MLB schedules come out. Like, we've been waiting for the 2020 schedule for for the forever, this updated schedule, and we got it, and then three days later, they dropped next year's schedule as well. Um, I feel like it's easy to look at the schedule and say, you know, the league is picking on the Braves, they play all of the hard teams. Well, I mean, it's not like they weren't going to play the Phillies, they weren't going to play the Mets or the defending champions, you know what I mean? So it's we we should be used to playing all these teams now. We're going to see some great pitching. If the Braves win the division this year, they're certainly going to earn it. They they get to play quote unquote get to play. They have to play the Rays. They have to play the Yankees. Um let's let's d- dig into this, dude, cuz I'm I'm really intrigued and I'm I'm kind of surprised by how uh, I don't want to say easy cuz that's a trap, but how not daunting some of the September schedule looks.
0: I think it's oddly weird and coincidental that um, in a season of 60 games, the Braves still somehow have 20 consecutive days without an off day. I think that's odd. I'm happy that it's at the beginning and not the end, or at least right in that chunk of the middle, not at the very end. But uh, this is going to be a very tough schedule. I mean, we all know that the NL East, and Doc and I were talking about this before the show, the NL East, a lot of these teams in short bursts can all be dangerous, except for the Marlins. Um, But literally every other team in the division – Can be dangerous in a very short stretch. I mean, we're talking 60 game seasons, just comparing it to last year, the Nationals wouldn't have made the playoffs. The Mets as a team, or a team, if they can stay relatively healthy and not be the Mets, they can make some noise. I mean the Nationals, obviously, they're they're a well maintained team. They can make a lot of noise. The Phillies have a lot of potential to score a lot of runs. Now if they have Zach Wheeler, can they get enough pitching? The Braves, we obviously know what the Braves can do. The Braves should be the front runners in the division. But then you talk about going around and playing the AL East. And you're talking about you're, you're gonna be able to beat up on Baltimore, but are you gonna be able to beat up on them as much as, say, Washington is going to, since they're right next door? We're gonna have to play the Yankees, which are they're a pretty well suited team as well. You're gonna have to play the Rays, who I still think that the Braves match up better against. But I think the Rays are the best coach team in all of baseball. Talk about the Red Sox. You're gonna get to see Rafael Devers. I mean, that that's a team in turmoil, kind of almost. I would, I won't say rebuilding. They're retooling. I will say, but then you turn into you get to watch the Blue Jays, where you're gonna see a ton of a lot of super young kids. And when you have a super young team, we know, for example, here in Atlanta last couple years you have a really young team sometimes they don't know that they're not supposed to be good and some surprising things can happen it's going to be a tough road in the east and there's a lot of fun matchups there's gonna be a lot of fun players that we get to see
1: blue jays remind me of the padres a lot just super top heavy system like some absolute stud guys um the Padres are deeper, but like I think the the ascent of those two teams over the next couple of years is going to be very similar, and I think that it, it will be similar to what we've seen out of the Braves over the past couple years. For for just like you said, young team, you know, the Blue Jays are going to have Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette, Kavon Biggio, Nate Pearson is on his way. I mean, they've got, they have got...
0: Eric Pardino's on his way, Simeon Woods-Richardson, uh, I mean... Jordan Groshans. They've got so many talented young guys. They're
1: really well set up for the future. I mean, that's a core you can build around. Yeah. Not to mention, they just got Austin Martin. So.
0: I mean, there's a lot that they've got going for them. And if you look at their minor league system, you might not know a lot of the names outside of the big popping names, but they've got a lot of guys who are very good. Guys like Logan Warmoth, um, who's a player that will make a major league club at some point. Kevin Smith is a guy that was performing really well. They've got a lot of... Sean Reed Foley is a guy that a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for for a while. They've, they've got some pieces there that are fun to see. Uh, Shun, Yama, Shun Yamaguchi. That's... A, right? They got Shun right? He's... Yep. he's uh, yeah, so they got Shun Yamaguchi this year. They've got a few guys that are going to be fun to see. Now, I don't expect them to win the AL East, obviously, because the, the Yankees and the Rays are just better teams. They're just more talented. Uh, but they're they're fun to get to watch. Just like I'm going to be glued to the TV to watch when Wander Franco makes his debut. Just like I'm going to be glued to the TV. This is how weird this is going to be. If the Marlins want to get people to watch them, all they have to do is put Monte Harrison, J.J. and and Max Meyer on that squad, and I will watch every single Marlins game.
1: I don't think the Marlins get nearly enough credit in these parts for how dangerous they're going to be in the future. They they are going to finish last this year.
0: Oh, they absolutely killed it in the draft this year. You're talking about M- Max Meyer is an absolute animal, and if you are not aware of how good Max Meyer is, you are going to be surprised.
1: Yeah, and a uh, lot of alliteration when Minnesota man, Max Meyer was drafted by the Miami Marlins.
0: Eric, uh, Edward, but Cab- it's not even just Meyer. Edward Cabrera is another name you guys should probably know about. They've got Sandy Alcantara who, by the way, the numbers don't look amazing on Alcantara last year. Doc, were you aware that he was one of the better right-handed pitchers in baseball last year? I
1: was aware of that. Thank you for asking.
0: I wish you would have told me because I was complete. Like I saw that on Twitter from somebody and I was like, That's not true. So I went and pulled it up and, uh, Alcantara. Alcantara had a very, very good season. Way better than I thought he had.
1: Yeah, he and Caleb Smith together they they can really they can help kind of bridge the Marlins to the next great team. As it pertains to this year, like they're they're not as much a team that you're going to worry about. Like you can pretty much, you know, th- there's going to be ten teams that are that are in the Braves. Immediate focus, or nine really, because because the Braves aren't going to count themselves. They've they've got their four regular division rivals and the teams in the AL East. But I think you can probably knock the Marlins off of that list as far as like being a legit contender. These are teams that could play spoilers, like the Marlins, the Orioles, and realistically the Blue Jays. And I'm not even sure that without Mookie and Sale, that the Red Sox are going to be.
0: Oh, the Red Sox aren't going to be that good. I honestly, I won't be. I won't be terribly surprised if the Blue Jays challenge the Red Sox and they're within three or four games of each other.
1: I, I could see that because I mean, yeah, they do still have Devers and they have Bogarts and Benintendi. they they've got some pieces, but no sale, Let's no rookie. Be
0: ben Inten- Benintendi's not that good. He Benintendi is good. That is, but that's it. The best I can, yeah, that's the best I can say yeah. about him.
1: And the, and they've got JD do you know who Martinez. he
0: reminds me of. You know who he reminds me of? Um, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Jenkins. Do you remember him?
1: Brewer's? Yes. Yes. Well, I remember who he played yeah. for.
0: Yeah, that's who That's who Benintendi reminds me of. He's a guy that you know, he's got average power, a little bit better than average speed, average arm, like he, he's similar, like he's a, this is going to be really weird that I'm saying this, and Arkansas Razorbacks fans, I apologize for what you were about to hear, but Benintendi is like a lesser Marquecas in his prime.
1: No, and Guys like Marcakis and Adam Hazley. It was so hard when Adam Hazley was coming out of Virginia trying to find a comp. This is when I realize I'm horrible at comps, cause all I look at him and I say all I see is Nick Marcakis. But it's the same thing. It's somebody that's like wholly average across the board. Bad at nothing. Great at nothing. Except doubles. But absolutely solid. You know, this is somebody that you can count on going out and not embarrassing himself on the field every day. You know what I mean? So but be be that as it may, you're going to get two WAR out of Ben. Well, in a normal season, you're going to get two WAR out of Benintendi. So he's not gonna he's not gonna set the world on fire. So when you're looking at teams out of the AL East that are going to be like super massive, difficult teams, like the Rays and the Yankees are really the ones. So you've got Rays, Yankees, Mets, Phillies, Nationals as like the five main contenders there. The Nationals lost Rendon; they still got Soto and the world's greatest pitching staff. They they have plenty, and it wouldn't surprise me for them to show up. But honestly, of all teams that are going to challenge the Braves, the Phillies scare me. The Phillies could win this division because their bullpen last year was decimated by June. Like, they lost everybody. I know it sounds hyperbolic. It's not. They lost everyone in their bullpen. And they lost Andrew McCutcheon and Gabe Kapler was still there, so now they got Joe Girardi, they got rid of Michael Franco, and they're gonna have an actual functioning bullpen, you know, Reese Hoskins isn't gonna be playing the outfield, they got Didi Gregorius over there playing shortstop, like, this team is terrifying, and the Mets, the Mets aren't gonna have Thor, but they are gonna have DeGrom and Stroman and Mats, which is a pretty freaking obnoxious top three, you know, like, I'm a Braves homer till I die, dude. And this is a year we win the world series. But if we don't win the world series, uh, I'm really, Oh God. How much did the Phillies scare you? Like, honestly, they are, they could win the division, like kind of handily, right?
0: You know, I don't, this is weird. Um, I certainly think they could win. I mean, in a short stretch, if you've got Bryce Harper and, and Alec Bohm comes up and is hitting and you know Didi Gregorius comes in and starts hitting right away, and you've got Real Muto and Hoskins, they've got some stuff. I don't trust their bullpen at all. And I think that's their Achilles heel. I think having two reliable starters in Wheeler and Nola is really good, but for the East, that's really little. That's really low. They they've really only got two guys you can count on um, on the pitching staff. They don't worry me. As much as the Nationals do, I think the Nationals are, are a team to to watch out for more. But even the Nationals, they they don't have as good a bullpen either. So, like, I'm not just trying to be a homer here. Maybe it's just my homerness like sinking in, or just sneaking up on me. But I don't think, like, I don't see a team that I think is really going to be uber challenging for the Braves this year. I'm sorry, I, ju- I just don't see it. I think the Braves should win the division, injuries notwithstanding, pretty easily.
1: And that that is certainly my hope on a talent perspective, like the Braves are the most talented team, but when,
0: and the most well-balanced
1: Freddie, Freddie's the variable.
0: That's the thing without Freddie. uh, If without Freddie, then I'll say the nationals win. And then there's a real chance that the Braves finish in third.
1: Yeah. Now we talked about there not being enough left-handed power. If Freddie is out, then to me, the ultimate thing you do there, you plug Austin Riley in at first, which will allow you to put Camargo at third. So when you've got Ender and center, and then you've got Albies and Camargo, both of those are switch hitters, but that's, that's three lefties in the lineup right there. So, you know, it's better than nothing in, in, in an optimal scenario then Freddie is going to be one of the left-handed bats. But if he's not, then it's not as devastating as it might be for some teams. Like we talked about Buster Posey earlier, like what are the Giants going to do at catcher? What are they gonna do? No, but they're not competing, so Joey so it actually Bart doesn't matter. Joey Bart,
0: season Patrick Bailey.
1: There is some Giants podcaster right now who is having a same a similar thing with Patrick Bailey and Joey Bart as I'm having with Bryce Ball right now.
0: <laughs> hey, Joey Bart and Patrick Bailey are both animals.
1: No question, no question about it. Like you said, for teams like the Giants or like the Tigers, when you're talking about like Torkelson and Mize and, and Manning and Schoogler just go and ahead and do
0: it, man. Just go ahead and do it. What do you got to lose? Yeah. You're not going to be good even if you play all the veterans. Yeah, if you're going
1: to finish in last place anyway, I mean, debut your rookies. At least make it fun. It's just what the Braves were doing in 2016, 2017. There was no reason for Dansby to come up in, in August of 2016. But the Braves stood to lose nothing by having him debut. I don't know. I'm I'm just excited for that this whole thing is actually, we're two weeks from today that the season starts as long as everything goes according to plan. The, the intake testing numbers for baseball, despite being just a total cluster F uh, for the, the first round of testing, it seems like they've figured it out and that, you know, they got the intake samples back and it was less than, uh, less than 1% of all players tested, you know, and that's huge. And I think
0: not just players, not just players. That was players and personnel. Uh, yeah,
1: that's, that's everybody. So I think that the, there was a realistic shot that that baseball was going to be so compromised this year if everybody didn't do everything that they were supposed to do. And I think now that everybody's back in the clubhouse and everybody's back at, back at the fields and everything, that they're just like, look, I'll do whatever I have to do to make this work. 60 games is not that long, even when you're including you know the the ramp up to uh to the actual season so it's not too long for everybody to do what they're supposed to do i'm just when when the draft happened that was the the first time i'd been emotionally invested in a baseball event in months and it's started to get slowly more and more real as we have gone so fingers i'm glad crossed. i'm
0: not the only one that struggled to get into kbo baseball
1: i just couldn't do it it's just
0: like it's baseball but like you know I don't know. I don't watch college baseball all that much. I will. I don't have anything against college baseball. It just doesn't feel real. To it's me. just not the same. Yeah, exactly. Like it's good. It's just not the same.
1: And when you're watching college, no, you know you can. It's
0: not better. It's just different.
1: Yeah, you can. You can look at somebody and say like, okay, when Florida baseball starts up next year, like I, I'm not a Gators fan. Okay, but if I want to watch Judd Fabian, who's going to be one of the best draft prospects. Then you track that guy, you know, and and it's easier to watch college guys because you're like, okay, this is somebody that could that could be a major league guy one day, or you know, like when you've talked about when uh, you used to watch uh, Dansby when he was playing at Vanderbilt, you know, um, you knew that he he was like a name, it was somebody that you track. When you're watching the KBO, it's a little bit harder to. To have that emotional connection with the guys, and that and that's the thing about baseball for me is that like yeah, it's fun. It's fun to watch sports, and it's fun to just watch the just the game is cool. But like the emotional attachment, and like I've been watching baseball since I was like day one. You know what I mean? So there's a there's a lot of emotion that comes along with it. So I, it, just watching the game, it's like a very flat two dimensional thing. I want to be able to like attach something to it. So. Two weeks, man. Like, when we do the episode two weeks from now, it'll be like we're going to have actual real-deal baseball to talk about.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of having real baseball to talk about, we'll have a little bit more to talk about next week. as We've got a little bit more coming forward, and we'll see Bryce Ball as he starts his race for 60 homers in 60 games and making Doc look like a fool. We'll talk about that and a few other things Next week. Thank you guys for joining us. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll be back next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. <laughs>